Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes. Well, happy Labor Day, everyone. I hope that you are enjoying time with family and friends, relaxing a little bit. But I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us online for church this weekend. My name is Jared, and I am so excited about opening up God's Word with you. Today, we're going to be looking at a couple of passages about what it looks like for you and I to pursue spiritual maturity in our life. Now, when I was a freshman in college, I was new to a part of town. I didn't know anybody when I joined in my freshman year of college. And we played a particular game for someone like me looking for a place of belonging was ready for. The game went like this. You'd hear a knock on your door and then you'd open the door and someone would say, you in? And you had no idea what in meant. It was an invitation into adventure, and yet you had no idea what adventure would come your way. And so this would happen often. You'd hear the knock, you'd open the door, and you'd know you're signing up for adventure into the unknown. I said yes to a lot of those invitations. I have driven up to Los Angeles in the middle of the night to get ice cream with some friends. I've gone swimming in local fountains. I have been midnight surfing, which by the way, was the scariest one of all, surfing in the complete darkness, feeling everything bumping into your leg, knowing it's absolutely a shark and I'm definitely going to die. But the invitation always started the same way, the knock and a you in with a question. And after that moment, when you had no clue what was coming your way, you in a split second had to decide, am I going to be in or am I going to miss out? You see, the worst thing that you could do is to say no, because the next day, everyone would say, you missed it, man. You should have been there. And you would hear stories of adventure. You'd hear people laughing, the crazy things that people got themselves into. And every time I felt like I missed out, I felt like I was left out and I was being left behind by my group of friends. And so Saying yes really does get us into a place where we are going to experience things that we can't if we say no. Now, every great adventure, every great story begins with someone being invited into something. Every great story has someone saying, they're starting in one place and saying yes and going to a different place. You see, even the hobbits had to leave the Shire. Luke had to leave Tatooine. And even for the disciples in God's word, as we see in the gospels, we see Jesus inviting people from fishing boats and tax collector booths into a story of adventure. In Matthew chapter four, we see one of Jesus's invitations to his disciples. It's familiar language for so many of us. He says this, follow me and I will make you fish for people. What a simple invitation that has a profound implication to it. You see, these were ordinary people who were going about their ordinary lives. And yet what Jesus says is, follow me, come and join me. And then he says, I will make you. I like that piece of wording there. I will make you because it's an acknowledgement that Jesus is shaping. He is forming. He is taking ordinary people and he is sort of ridding them of the culture that they live in, the world that has shaped them thus far and saying, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, to be a part of his new family. And then he says, there's gonna be some productivity about it. We're going to fish for people. 
That's obviously a specific one from the calling of fishermen. He's using a play on words saying, you were once fishing for fish, you're now going to fish for people. But really look at what Jesus's invitation is. He says, follow me, I will transform you that we might be transformed by Jesus and then we will live a productive life, a life of impacting others. Now for so many of us, I know that this can be challenging because you probably wrestle with a few things even as you hear about an invitation from Jesus. You see, so many of us, we have a hard time hearing the, the word of God. We have a hard time even hearing God's voice, discerning God's voice from our voice or from the multitude of other voices in our life. Or perhaps you're somebody who doesn't even feel worthy of God's invitation to you. That you think, if God actually knew everything that I have done, there is no way that he would ever choose me. Or perhaps we're just too busy. We have so many things going on in our life. I mean, fall is right around the corner with all of the soccer practices and the invitations to back to school programming. There's a lot going on. And so when God invites us into an adventure, you say, that sounds awesome, but hold on. I've got to look at my schedule first. I've got so many other things. Or perhaps it's not even that we're too busy. It's just that we have our plans. We have the things that we're setting out to do, the things that we have written down the goals that we've created. And so when an invitation comes that's outside of those plans, we can be challenged and say, I don't know, I'm not sure that's what I want to do with my life. Jesus, if you wanna come with me on my plans, that's great. But what God is inviting us into is his adventure. He's looking at our life and he's saying, I want something for you that you couldn't even hope, dream or imagine for yourself. And he's inviting us. He knocks on the door and he says, you in? And so today we're gonna to talk about what does it look like to be in, to hear the knock, to open the door and to accept the invitation. Because for those of us who have been following Jesus for any number of days, as you have said yes to Jesus, wherever you are today is not where God intends for you to stay. You see, your life is a progression. It is a growth of following after Jesus, becoming more and more like him over time. So wherever you are today, whether you are brand new to your Christian faith or perhaps somebody that hasn't even said yes to Jesus. And then on the other end of the spectrum, someone who has been following after him for many, many years, there is always a deeper relationship available to you. There is always somewhere else to go, always something else to do. And so as we open up God's word today, we're gonna to look at a couple of passages. And the first is gonna be from the book of James. And James in the opening chapter, it acknowledges, it actually shows us that the word of God was given to us so that we might read it, but also that we might be informed by it. We're gonna begin in verse 22, but the preceding few verses there really show us that the word of God is not given to you to take for granted. It's given to you to do something with. The word of God is supposed to inform the course of your life. It's supposed to shape who you are becoming. And so there's some powerful imagery that he's about to come to. Let's start in verse 22 of James chapter one. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. This picture of a mirror is one that we're all very familiar with. 
Think about how you use a mirror in your life. It's a tool. It's something that you and I look into a mirror and we really focus on whatever it is that we're working on. We're, you know, putting on makeup in the morning, we're doing our hair, we're checking out a particular blemish and figuring out what's going on with that. We're looking intently into the mirror at the thing that we're focused on. But I don't know if you're like me, but I look in the mirror often, but I rarely actually see myself. I look in the mirror every day, probably multiple times a day, but I don't see myself all that often in the way that I see in James chapter one. You see, God's word invites us to look into it and to see ourselves in it. Think about a mirror. When, when you are somebody who just looks into the mirror and uses it as a tool, what happens is, is we're, we're using it for something specific. The mirror really, if you think about it, is just a reflection of who you are. The, the mirror is not telling you who you're gonna become. The mirror doesn't tell you who you used to be. The mirror is just a reflection. It's just a picture of who you are today in this very moment. And for some of us, we carry lots of pride about how we look and, and what we've done with our lives. For others of us, we might carry some guilt or some shame about who we are. A few weeks ago, I was with my wife. We were on vacation. And we were kind of reflecting on the last year and some of the elements of our life that we were like most proud of and the things that we were so grateful for. And I was, was sitting with her and I said, babe, I'm so proud of myself. I just finished a 12-week exercise plan. It was the longest continuous sequence of exercise I had ever done in my life. And I was proud of that. I, I hadn't given up halfway through like I normally do. I was dedicated and determined to completing that plan. And, and I sat with her, we were actually sitting right by the pool. And I said, I said, I'm so proud of myself because exercise is a part of me now. That was several weeks ago and I literally have not worked out since. <laughs> Clearly exercise is not a part of me. And every time I look in the mirror now, I see that I have drifted far from the one I was just several weeks ago. The mirror is reflecting back to me, not who I was, not who I wanna be, just who I am today. God's word is like a spiritual mirror. It's one in which we can look into it and we can see where we are today. As you open up God's word, really the idea of being disciplined in God's word could, could look like this. This might be a framework that might help you. I think of God's word as something that we read, we reflect, and then we respond. You see, as I open up my Bible every morning and I read God's word, that's me seeing into God's word. But it's the next step that I think is one of the most important. It's as I read it, I reflect, I see God's word, and then I see me in God's word. And I look at a particular text and I try to find myself in it. Not where I wanna be, not who I'm ashamed to be, just simply who I am in the midst of that text. And then of course, the invitation from that point is to respond. It's to do something with whatever we just learned. God's word is a spiritual mirror that we're invited to look into. What do you see and what are you going to do about it? James says to be a doer of the word. That's an action. That's something that means that we have to be disciplined to do something with what we discover in God's word. And this is a truth that I know you would agree with. Nobody drifts into discipline. You don't accidentally become a disciplined person. You have to put effort into it. You have to think specifically about the ways in which you are going to be disciplined in really anything. And in particular, 
in your spiritual life as you're thinking about how do I become more like Jesus? How do I have that deeper relationship with God? I believe that we all need a routine that's going to help us keep Jesus front and center in our life. I've already mentioned to you that I begin my morning every day with opening up God's word. That's a routine for me so that I can keep Jesus front and center. And I do those things I just shared with you. I don't just read it to check the box. I read it, I reflect on it. And then I ask God, how can you help me to put this into action today? That routine is critical for me to keep my focus on Jesus because I don't wanna drift. If I drift, I'm gonna drift away from Jesus. That's just part of my nature. But if I think about putting specific things in place, then I'm going to find myself closer and closer to Jesus and overall becoming more like him. The other thing is I believe every one of us needs a community that we belong to that practices spiritual rhythms. So what are these spiritual rhythms that I talk about? Well, that daily devotion piece is absolutely one of those, but I'm also thinking about things that you can find in the book of Acts. Acts chapter two actually has all of them. If you think about uh, prayer, overcoming the obstacles or the strongholds in our life, serving one another, being generous, uh, celebrating with joy, practicing gratitude. There are beautiful spiritual rhythms in the book of Acts that we see the early church doing. What I want for you is a community of people that can be disciplined to practice those things. If you haven't been through Rooted, that is the best first step to take. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and put on the screen right now. You can text group to the information below and we will get you into a group right now. We have Rooted starting and this is just a structured way for you and I to practice biblical community. It's a spiritual adventure where you are going to not only comprehend and understand the foundations of the Christian faith, you're going to experience it in a group with people who want to be with you. We're going to practice things. We're going to get outside of our comfort zone. And over several weeks together, as we practice biblical community, you're going to see what a disciplined life looks like and the fruit that comes with it. And so if you haven't done Rooted, you got to sign up. We want you to do that with us. It's a beautiful thing that we can do online or in person. So text group to that information so that we can get you into a group. So if nobody drifts into discipline, there's another truth I want us to grasp, which is discipline begets more discipline. A couple of weekends ago, I had some time uh, on my day off and I finally got fed up with how dirty my car was. And so I went into the garage and I pulled out the most satisfying tool that lives in anyone's garage. It is the pressure washer. Oh my gosh, the pressure washer, it is, a, it is a gift from God himself because the pressure washer is a way for us to, to fire water at whatever we need in a way that's gonna just annihilate dirt and grime. It's gonna lift up stains that you thought impossible to remove. I love the pressure washer. So I pulled one out a couple of weekends ago and I started washing my car. And as I started to wrap up drying my car, I looked directly next to mine and my wife's car was sitting there and I thought, I should probably wash my wife's car, otherwise I'm gonna hear about it. So I started washing my wife's car and I blasting the dirt and the grime away and it's just beautiful and pristine. And as I finished up my wife's car, I looked to my left and I saw the front of my house and the front of my house was filthy with dirt and cobwebs. And I thought, well, I'm already here. I already set up the pressure washer. Let's just do this thing too. So I started pressure washing the entire front of my house. And about halfway through washing the front of my house, I started thinking, 
I wonder what it would look like if I pulled out my pool filter and I actually used the pressure washer to clean my pool filter. That's right, I cleaned my own pool filter and I put it on the ground and I just started pressure washing this thing and there was algae and dirt, it was flying, I'm covered in it and I was giggling going, the pressure washer is the greatest tool of all time. Now, after several hours of pressure washing every single thing in my life, this moment, this thought came to my mind. I thought one action led to another action. That is so similar to our own spiritual life. Discipline begets more discipline. When we start one thing, we might actually be led to the next thing. And then from there, the dominoes continue to fall. And over time, whether that's in a day, week, year, or throughout your life, you will notice a change. We don't notice a change in ourselves every time we look in the mirror. But over time, we might hardly recognize ourselves because of the discipline that we have put in to something. So what does that look like in your spiritual life? If discipline begets more discipline, think about it this way. What if you started your morning reading God's word and considering how that word of the day might inform your actions later that afternoon? You might meditate on that scripture. And then you might say, God, would you give me an opportunity to put this into practice today? And as you go about your work life or your family life, you might find yourself being a little more attentive to the needs of people around you. You might find yourself a little kinder, maybe even a little bit more generous. You might find yourself doing things that you wouldn't normally doing, but one act of discipline led to another act of discipline. And all of a sudden, you're not just a disciplined person, you are a disciple. Maybe I can make it even more specific for you. What happens if you wake up in the morning and you, in your daily reading, you come across John 13, 34, where Jesus says to love others as I have loved you. You read that verse and then as you reflect about it, you might think, how has Jesus loved me? Well, Jesus has loved me by, by saving me, by forgiving me, by repurposing me, by, by coming into my life and, and being kind being somebody that is so patient with me, if that's the kind of love that Jesus has for me, where in my life am I doing really well with those kinds of love for another person? But where should I also pay closer attention? And so I could make a list of some places in which I wanna love others in the specific ways that Jesus has loved me. And I would imagine that God would give you an opportunity to practice those specific things that very day. You see, one discipline begets another discipline. And over time, no matter how generic you think about it or how specific you wanna get, you are going over time to hardly recognize yourself in a beautiful way. You are going to look at yourself someday, not just see yourself in a mirror, but actually see who you really are. And you might hardly recognize yourself and praise Jesus for that moment in your life. One of the challenging things about this is if you and I actually wait until we feel like doing this, if you're like me, you might be waiting a very long time. Another way to put it is if you and I wait to feel like being a disciple, we might waste a lot of days. So we can't just be a doer of the word just expecting that it's gonna happen magically, but I think we also need to be students of the word. If we're gonna grow spiritually, we have to pursue and to press further and deeper into our own understanding of God's word. I wanna show you one other passage today. 
It comes out of Hebrews chapter five. And this book is a, is a beautiful book because it was actually written very early on in the church. In fact, it's said to be written at a time where the author himself or the, the people that would have read this would have been alive during the ministry of Jesus. The, the, the death and resurrection and then the ascension of Jesus would have been in recent days, months or years. It would have been in their lifetime. And it is written like a sermon. It was written and circulated in a way that you could read this and be encouraged about the life of Jesus, but also what the life of faith looks like. And in this text that we're about to see here, we see a turning point that we are being challenged as students of the word to not get stuck or stagnant in our study but that we might pursue something beyond where we currently are. Here's what Hebrews 5, starting in verse 13 says, and I'm gonna actually bring us right into the first part of chapter six as well. It says, now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to take an inventory of our appetite. He says it's, a, it's, a, it's another beautiful image, right? The illustration is really clear to us. The inexperienced begin with milk, right? Think about in your life, think about your own diet. You had to move from chicken nuggets to chicken of the sea before you can get to Nobu Sushi, right? There is a progression, but as your palate grows, as your appetite changes, you leave chicken nuggets, although I can still crush some chicken nuggets in my day, I know you can too, but it can't be the only thing that I eat, right? We eventually desire more. That's true for your actual appetite. What about your spiritual appetite? What is it that you crave? What is it that you hunger for, because the invitation from Hebrews is that we can't get stuck in the inexperience of our youth. And that's not, a, that's not an age, that's in spiritual maturity. Let's not get stuck at a maturity level. Let's progress, let's move on. He says, let's move beyond the elementary teachings of Jesus. An encouragement to you is that this text is not saying move beyond Jesus. This is actually an invitation for us to become more advanced in our study and our knowledge of Jesus, that we might move beyond the simple and enter into the realm of the wise where there is more nuance. Think about an, an infant, right? As somebody is just an infant, like a, an actual baby, they need milk to survive and that's kind of all they need. They need milk and love and attention and that's it. If a spiritual infant, in fact, if you are a spiritual infant, you've recently given your life to Jesus, you know what you need? You need God's word and you need community. Start there, that is a beautiful thing, your milk, is God's word and God's people. But eventually you're going to need more. You're gonna move from infancy into being a child. So what does a child mean? It's really important that a child can start to understand that the world may not be as easy as it appeared in your infancy, but that there is good and bad. They need to see that there is a distinguishing between two parts of life. And that is a really important thing in your spiritual life as well. In our, as the spiritual children, we need to know that there is an enemy. We need to acknowledge that there is someone who is 
trying to knock us off track and prevent us from becoming more like Jesus. But eventually we have to move on from that as well. We have to enter into a phase of adolescence. My, my oldest is an adolescent now, and he is trying to differentiate himself. Adolescents are trying to make their identity their own. They are pushing against some of the things that have been pushed on them so that they can really articulate and define who they believe they are. A spiritual adolescent needs to do this as well. A spiritual adolescent is somebody who says, I'm gonna make my faith my own. There was a faith in my childhood and that was good and I'm grateful for it, but now I need to wrestle through the things so I can have a deeper conviction about what that actually means for me. And then of course, eventually the goal for every human is to move into adulthood. And you know what adulthood is life. It, it, it's, it's like, it's like you have to pay the bills. You have to be responsible. You have to set out and do things on your own. You have to make your own schedule, your own routine. What about in your spiritual adulthood? We have to be people that move from just being a disciple to a disciple who also disciples others. You see, we have to move from just caring for ourselves to caring for other people. As you practice your own spiritual self-care, you will see that it will lead you to not just self-care, but also self-sacrifice. Spiritual adulthood is where you and I are all heading. And so where are you in that picture? In those life stages, which one are you currently in? Oswald Chambers is the author of a very famous devotion called My Utmost for His Highest. He puts it this way. Spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of the years, but by obedience to the will of God. Some people mature into an understanding of God's will more quickly than others because they obey more readily. They more readily sacrifice the life of nature to the will of God. So wherever you are, there is an opportunity and an invitation to progress forward. So what are you going to do? What's this gonna look like? I'd encourage you to do a couple of things. The first would be to check your ambition. What are your goals? What have you set out to do this year, this fall even? What is it that you're orienting your life saying, this is what I hope to accomplish, which really says, this is who I, who I hope to be. Come, where is your spiritual goals in that process? Are you seeking after spiritual formation as part of your own ambition? Or what about your values? I'd encourage you to shape your values in such a way that as you make decisions based off of something, that your spiritual life is a part of a deep value in you and your family's life. Perhaps even more uh, specific or, or practical is to audit your own calendar, that you might look at how you spend your time and allow it to be a reflection of who you are. Are. Where is Jesus in your calendar? Are you consistent with church? Have you found yourself in a life group? How can we help you as you audit your calendar? So where you are today is not where you have to stay. I believe that Jesus comes to each and every one of us at seasons in our life and he knocks on the door and he says, do you wanna go on an adventure with me? He invites us into something but before we can step forward into an adventure with Jesus, we have to have an honest acknowledgement of where you and I are today. We have to know where we are before we can see the adventure that is before us. Now, I've been through a season in my life where I have hit the wall spiritually. And I wonder if you're similar to me, where certain spiritual practices that used to work, 
of connecting with God, the things that I used to do to connect with Jesus seemingly stopped working. The kinds of things that I did to draw closer to him just didn't seem to have that presence about them anymore. That's deeply troubling for someone like me who's been walking life with Jesus for 20 years. When the things that you once did in order to deepen your relationship with Jesus don't seem to be working anymore. And I'll be honest, in that season, it's deeply concerning. It's frustrating, it's disorienting. And through lots of conversation, through prayer, through wise counsel, I shifted my thinking from God has abandoned me to God is inviting me into something different. You see, the relationship with Jesus is so far beyond just the formula that I know I can set out for my life. There is no formula when you follow after Jesus. You're following after him. He's gonna be the one that decides. And a deeper relationship with Jesus means I'm gonna trust that wherever he wants to take me is where I ought to be. That is the best thing for me. And so I started to view this season of my life not as pain and suffering, but as an invitation and a gift. That the gift is that God wants more for me than I have settled for myself. And that my relationship with Jesus can't just be this constant up and to the right, but that actually the relationship with Jesus, the journey that we go on has its ups and downs. It has its ins and outs, its left and its right. And it has its deeper and deeper invitation to it. So where are you? Where are you at in this very moment? Are you somebody that's just embracing God for the very first time? I'm so glad that you're with us. Or perhaps you're somebody that is learning what it means to be a disciple, learning how to do the things that Jesus calls us to do. Maybe you're somebody that's right now, you're actively serving in your neighborhood, in your workplace. You are somebody who says, I'm gonna be productive with this life of faith. Or maybe you're similar to me, you're on this place where you're on a journey inward. And in there, you are finding God who wants to heal and restore in ways that you never thought possible. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that his invitation in Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men is true at any stage of your life. He always invites us to follow. I am still following Jesus. And Jesus is always making. He is always healing. He is always restoring. He is always repurposing. And we're still fishing. We are still doing things together. There's a, a beautiful painting that hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. It was painted by William Holman Hunt. And the, the painting is titled Light of the World. And as you look at this painting, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus standing at a door. There's a moonlight behind him. He's holding a lamp. And the lamp in, it really reveals, it shows a, a door that has not been opened in a very long time. It shows a door that is covered in vines and branches. It's dusty and dirty. And Jesus's hand is on the door. When Hunt revealed this painting, somebody said to him, you forgot something in the painting, thinking he was coming up with a new revelation. And Hunt says, what are you, what are you speaking of? And he says, there's no doorknob on the door. And Hunt's response was, the doorknob is on the other side. It's a picture of Jesus standing at the door, knocking, but he is not gonna be the one who opens it. You and I stand on the other side of that door. And as he knocks, he is waiting for you to respond. He knocks and we open. 
The Jesus I see in scriptures is not forcing him into your life. He is not shoving down doors. He is not going to pursue you in a way that's gonna force you into a relationship with him. But I do see a beautiful, patient Jesus who knocks and who waits, who invites and opens his arms and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Where is it that Jesus is knocking in your life? For some, it might be he's knocking at the door of salvation for you, saying, I am here for you for the very first time. For others of us, maybe we have compartmentalized our life and we have shut off parts of our life. We have closed off and shut the door on our work life, our professional life, our, our financial life, or our perhaps our past life. We have closed the door and we have said, not needed here, Jesus. But he is standing at that door and he is knocking today. He's waiting for you to open that door and to invite him into the depths of your life, into places where you never thought he was welcome or wanted. He says, here I am knocking at the door. Are you in? My encouragement to you that as we see this image, as we see and we hear that Jesus is knocking, that you and I would be people that would reflect on this word, that we would remember that God meets us exactly where we are. He sees you for you and he loves you and he wants a deeper relationship with you. And he invites you in to whatever is next in your journey, your adventure with him. And so as he knocks, what part of your life could you unlock and open the door and receive him? Allow me to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you knock, that you do not disregard or leave us alone, but instead you stand at a door. Some of these doors in our life are, have been sealed and shut for a long time. They are overgrown and yet you stand and you knock. Father, would you give us the courage to open those doors to let you in so that we may have a deeper and deeper still relationship with you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Mariner's Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariner's Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariner's app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community, check out the Gospel Everyday Podcast. Imagine feeding your heart, mind, and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life. If you haven't picked up the annual read yet, visit marinerschurch.org or download the Mariners app for more information on where to find it.